Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 30th of September 2018. I should kick off by just mentioning, before I always forget of course, that you can buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com And remember too, you can donate and help me tick along here and pay for all different sites I have because I, I'm not selling anything else. I'm not selling, well, whatever, you know, T-shirts and products to make you live forever or things like that. I'm just giving you, basically, information which hopefully, delivered in a proper way, will help you understand the system we're born into. A really good system. By good, I mean for someone who wants to study it. It's a work of something. <laughs> you could say art, I suppose, and almost in a demonic way because it's very clever. And it's clever because the ancients, and we are very old. Humanity is very old. And look at the ancient empires, of course, from China and Middle East and different places, all the, the places that actually had written histories. And even Plato's great-uncle, Solon, who went off, as they all did, all the aristocracy went off to study in Egypt at the time, of ancient Greece, that is. And he was told, you Greeks don't even know how old you are. That was back then. And how many empires had risen and managed the world and fallen over maybe even thousands of years. Now, since they had empires in ancient times, going way back, way back even before Christianity, for instance, for maybe, maybe, maybe thousands of years. We just don't know. Although they're always finding evidence of new civilizations, or new old civilizations, put it that way, all over the place, actually, in the ancient world. But an empire tells you that you have something very important, and that is an understanding of human nature and how to control human nature in order to profit from the bulk of the population. That's what it's all about. Always has been, always is today. In fact, same thing. It is. Therefore, they had the sciences, like Machiavelli of the Middle Ages, they had the sciences in ancient times as well, by the studying of human nature. We've got to stop thinking that because TV wasn't invented thousands of years ago, that they, that they, they couldn't learn about all the things that you're studying today. Knowledge was always accumulated, because knowledge is power. And for ruling people, you've got to always have it written down, or at least passed on to students, as to how to control and manage the general population, how to profit from It's always to do with profiting from the bulk of the populace. I've always mentioned that Albert Pike made a big thing about this too, in a very small little statement. It's a big thing, big state, big big meaning behind a little statement, and that he, that he, we make no apologies for for nature, because it's an elitist thing for, the, for even for the low masons who don't understand that. It's very elitist, and it it picks out potential people to, for positions in different controlling functions over society. The bulk of the populace never get to that position, of course. They're the outer porticos, Pike said. But they do understand human nature. Plato did the same thing, and Plato bewailed the, the, the fact, and so did his contemporaries, that with writing, and more, more people writing, that then the, the art of memory and memorizing would be lost. Because in those days, you had to really, really memorize things, like, you're, like you do with your, well, we used to do that too with our, 
times table, for instance, in school. But now it's all calculators and computers and and so on. But in ancient times, they, they, they started writing stuff down too. And for the controlling elite, you see, it used to be kept very secretive. And the best way to have it secretive is to be taught directly to the people without writing. No notes, no nothing. Just, just your memory is the best way for secrecy. It's also, there's no evidence, you see. And even conspirators today understand that you shouldn't really have any evidence of your conspiracy, if possible, in any recorded method at all. And so they go to great lengths to try and, and be very secretive and to be anonymous. But anyway, getting back to what I'm saying, empires, the understanding of human nature, the controlling of human nature, the using of human nature for your own purposes, including wars. People at the top are always ambitious, they always want more, and they intermarry with other ambitious little other city-states in ancient times, or countries across even even waters in those days too. They always intermarried their elites off, so, so they became one big family if possible. And those big families would go through the motions of war sometimes too, which called down the population to an extent. It really did achieve different techniques of keeping the masses, well, abused. If you abuse the masses, they cling to the abuser, all the more so, to keep them safe. But the people have always been used to accumulate wealth on behalf of those who basically own them. So I go through this in my writings and in a lot of my discs, which you can buy at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website, go into the, the purchasing and so on. And I go through the techniques that have been used in ancient times and all through time to the present day, because it's so important to understand human nature, maybe more so than ever before. And it's not an easy thing to teach someone. It is actually easy to teach them, I should say, but it isn't so easy in this day and age especially to have them still enough, still in the mind, to understand what's being said. Their minds are racing half the time because they're now living in an age of massive overstimulation, a technique admitted to by the mass of data that's thrown at them through entertainment. You get up in the morning, the radio's blasting away there, and they might go to work with radio blasting away, and these babble-mouthed, nonsensical disc jockeys still pushing their nonsense, this babble, like immature babble. And then they, they have messages thrown them all day long through computers and you name it. And then back again at home, and then, then they're trying to relax through escaping into fantasy and fiction. And they're getting overloaded then too. But, but the mind itself finds it harder to think for itself. It's part of the technique of control. There's an old saying, be still, be still. It's like the Old Testament. It's be still and know that I am God. Same, same kind of idea in the New Testament as well. A technique, you've you got to be still once in a while. You've got to do it. And when you're still, you, your mind will crowd naturally with all your little worries off the day. That's why you love to distract yourself so you don't think too much. And that's why your masters and those who own you want you to, to constantly be bombarded and have be distracted too. Then you won't think too much. You're quite safe if you don't think too much. You let everyone else do your, do your thinking for you by the data that's thrown at you through entertainment and, and different other guises. 
They understand in ancient times they didn't have all this extraneous entertainment. They didn't have televisions and radio. But they put on lots of plays for the people. Well, it wasn't the Greeks that invented the old plays and so on. It was much older than that. Because entertainment is essential, as Plato said too, if you are going to raise people in a city-state. City-states are the beehives. They make them the engines of this particular artificial system. Cities don't produce much except everything to do with superfluous stuff or actually almost gossamer stuff. It's abstract. It's, it's money in itself. It's, it's, it's numbers and so on. That's what they produce. And everyone in the city must pay big high rents for tiny little places, which consumes a lot of their income for a lot of people, for working class people. And they get trapped in it. They get consumed with all the data and the things that are happening around them too. The speed, the people, blah, blah. It's very un- unnatural. Some folk say they love it, but personally I, I, don't, I don't like it at all. Too many people in the cities. It's just too fake, too unnatural. It's synthetic. And it's so far removed from how people really were meant to live. And really, you need space. And if possible, you should all be living and scattered around the country. If, if your masters would allow it, but which of course they never would do. But at least there you have some space and quietness if you want it. And peace and quiet and freedom to an extent at the moment. And that was why in ancient times... Even Rome had, at least they wrote about it, they had their different writers who wrote about different things there, but they mentioned about the, the aristocracy of Rome and the Senate and the senators uh, causing overthrows and temporary coups of the government because these senators were greedy aristocratic families and they wanted more and more land from the rural people, the people who produced actually fed the city people, you see. And they would get taxed and taxed and taxed in rural areas too. Nothing changes. Because this system is a parasitical system that we live in. And I try to go through this in the books and so on, and I show you some of the techniques that have been used down through the ages to control the people by those in the know. And that's what I mean by in the know. Codes are always used by those in the know and by those who rule you. If you look at all the different departments in government, even declassified information from different departments, and even fairly innocuous departments as well. Everything is so coded at the top too, so that those who read it in the system, the civil service, understand exactly what it's about, where it's from, and so on. Everything's coded. The language is coded. The language of brainwashing is coded as well. You're brainwashed every day by what they call news today. You really are. And folk never figure it out. So as I say, buy the books in District Cutting, 3 com, and donate as well. You can, you can pay any way you want, through PayPal, you can send me a check, you can send cash in, or international postal money orders, if you don't want to do it that way, from other countries. And from the States to Canada, two international postal money orders are, are okay. And just from your post office, but it's got to be international. And within Canada, of course, they use just Canadian post office ones for, for, the, for the nation itself, internal. But as I say, you've got to understand the system. And the system is very complex, only because you haven't really thought too deeply about it before. The media isn't going to come out and tell you how it really works. That's not what the media is there for. 
I can remember reading, I think it was the Anglo-American Establishment and different books by Quigley, different works that he did, Carl Quigley. And he was a historian for a while for the Council on Foreign Relations, which is the branch of the American branch at that time of the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain, which has branches across the whole planet. And they also run the British Council as well. Their, their members run that too. They create future leaders to actually little grab, they grab children, train them to be future leaders across the planet in all countries and give them educations. And they, they're the ones you're seeing today take over in different countries, by the way. For those who think you live in democracies, <laughs> good luck. But you've got to understand that Quigley talked about this quite a bit, in fact, and, and one of his books was, was just like boot burning, only he smashed the place. Instead, he, he said too much because the, they weren't ready to allow the public to know about how the system really works. The real establishment is vastly different from the way you're trained to believe it is. It's a private club. A real, it really is a private club. And they have other sub-clubs attached to them for specialized areas. And sometimes they'll transfer people between clubs or the circles, they call them, from one to the other club, depending on, on what, how they need them and where they need them and so on. And you can't apply to join them. You're asked if they choose you. And if they choose you, you've been well vetted beforehand. And these are private clubs. And, and of course, as I say, they don't run for election as a club member. But although the clubs themselves put their members out there to be elected and quickly goes through that process. But he does go through the system to some extent. In, and not completely in-depth, but in-depth enough to, so you can start to get the picture of how it really works. And their vision is vastly different of a future than the people in the nations, the ordinary people ever, ever suspect. You're given this nonsense of politics. And he mentions that, that all the top members of the political parties are members of this particular organization. They are allowed to differ in certain ways to, to, to achieve their ends, but, all, but they all have the same ends. And, of course, they, they're allowed to fill their pockets to a good extent too, naturally, with their plunder, because they're, now, they're, they're proven they're superior once they get near the top. And, and, but again, they must obey the masters above them, the ones that are unelected, who really have the power. It's really interesting to understand how it really does work. And nothing as ever as it seems, of course. Nothing really as ever as it seems for the public. But we're trained to believe that we elect people and who have something called democracy. Although Plato and others went into democracy and they said that it always ends up in a form of communism. And then it literally is overthrown by either a coup, riots and so on, because it cannot last. It's always so corrupt. So nothing changes, you see. Nothing ever changes. The techniques of understanding the human mind are important. The distractions are awfully important. And we're given today more entertainment than any generation has ever seen in history, as far as we know. We're given more pharmaceutical drugs that are psychoactive than any people before us, which dulls the mind. And... We're also being given now the next step, which is, of course, the, which were the banned drugs um, with, uh, say, the ca- cannabinoid uh, different products. 
they're coming out now, for instance, in Canada, big, big time. And people will still think it's just happening because some people at the bottom fought battles. For, no, it wasn't. Nothing to do with that at all. Back in the 80s, the, the Canadian government was growing pop underground. Underground. And they did a documentary in the 90s. It just suddenly came out in the blue. And, and for those who can remember it, might remember it. And how they were bowled over when suddenly was, they showed you these long, long, big, wide tunnels under the underground with hydroponics going. And the Canadian government had been growing pot. And they said at that time, well, it's for the, for the future. We might go and use it for medicine. And you can believe that if you want. And you'll find that everybody who's part of the establishment, the higher establishment of Canada, will have shares in these big companies, including the police chiefs, by the way. <laughs> uh, these big companies uh, that are running it today. So anyway, man is very ancient. The art of controlling people's minds is ancient too. You'll find little clues in it, like the clues you get from Arthur C. Clarke who was one of the boys, you might say. And he wrote 2001. He wrote Childhood's End, which is about really evolution through, through aliens coming down and so on and giving people everything they wanted till they didn't have to work. And But they're really after the children. They breed a particular generation of children that they could then evolve and take with them. And the, the old humans would have to perish and die because they were now obsolete. Because, it, because of course, it's to do with eugenics, you see. And Arthur C. Clarke, with the organizations he belonged to, understood this. If you understand even masonry, Freemasonry, you'll find the same kind of thing too. They have no problem at all in the city of London, in their organizations there, rather openly, actually, showing you in symbology and an occasional little utterance that they are superior to other people. And there are different kinds of classes of people. Let's say the word classes. People don't want to mention that anymore, but it's still alive and well. And you'll find that everything has to do with evolution and change. That's why the members in Masonry are almost talking about change, 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 and that there are no moral absolutes. Very important to understand that. And morality and moral absolutes are only for the particular period, and the next generation might go the opposite way with the moral absolutes. Part of the reason, you, and they won't tell you that, of course, they never do. It doesn't happen by itself. The pendulum doesn't just swing one way and then swing the other. Everything is controlled and pushed in different directions by intelligence and by organization. That's how it happens. But Arthur C. Clarke, as I say, he wrote 2001, then 2010, and then 3001. Very important, too, because 3001, most of the bulk of the population, the lesser classes, I think, are just somehow just vanish, you see, bred out or die off or something. And, and the, the brainy types, the, the ones who are all the top scientists and technicians, are all interbred, and they live like almost like gods with their high technologies and so on. So it's not that difficult to get to the picture if you understand what you're actually saying and what they're they're showing in symbology and so on. It's eugenics, of course. Winners and losers, etc., etc. And so Pike said it too, as I say, Albert Pike. They make no apology for, for nature. No apology at all. 
And of course, they make a big, big deal about the, the, the symbology through lions, for instance. A good, a good one is lions, very important. King of the Jungle, which of course is also the, what uh, was behind King of the Jungle, Rudyard Kipling's Jungle Book, of course. If you go into some of the known experiments that lasted many, many years, such as MKUltra, which is a, one part of this huge, big experimental area. It wasn't just depatterning the brain to, to reorganize someone's brain and then build them, rebuild them in your image, basically, the scientist's image or, or the controller's image. It really was about psychic driving and many other things too, and the use of drugs as well, which was being forced on society at the time in a way where they always think it's for themselves, such as the youth always think it's for themselves. This is fun, this is good, we're naughty, we're bad. And suddenly LSD's tossed all over the place, free initially, big time. And the CIA was behind it big time too. And they'd had the drugs since the, the 1930s, they knew what it did. So sex, drugs, rock and roll was launched as part of the plan too, to destabilize the old system, break the pattern of the old system we had tradition and families and you had families that are a nuisance when they stand together when bills are passed they don't like it, it's bad for them and so on they would they would tend to band together so they're a problem for those that govern when change is planned big change especially the destruction of the family unit and that's exactly what they did hg wells talked about it many others once talked about it that they'd have to do that so that there's no one standing alongside you to help you when the government is, is coming for you and coming down to speak to you. You'll be just you and the, the government, and little old you doesn't have much of a chance. That's happened, isn't it? Isolation. So the MKUltra thing was for the general population, if those who've studied it and studied, haven't quite figured it out yet. The psychic driving is repetition, 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 and the same things over and over too. Slogans, you listen to the songs that went out there, repetition, repetition, repetition. Theo Adorno talked about it because he was part of the Frankfurt School for the same function. To destroy the family unit and so on of the Western culture. And listen to the Beatles songs, and he owned the Beatles songs, remember? And it was he, they were all sold once he died. And up for grabs, and Paul McCartney competed with Michael Jackson for the bids over the, the rights to the title or the songs, and uh, Jackson won at the time. Nothing to say is ever uh, how it, it seems to be to the people. Big money, big agendas, big plans are in, always in operation, and the public have never to be told that, that they are. They're, the public are taught that everything's spontaneous, that somehow everything's laid on for their entertainment. And it's always easier to go for the youth because the youth have been taught that they're, they're separate and they're different from the old fogies. And they're taught it's their generation. Like the song goes uh, talking about my generation. And so suddenly they created this new cult that the teenager didn't exist before, even the term didn't, didn't exist before, by the way. It was meant to separate the youngsters from their parents and the, and the old folk in general, which is awfully good than, than any kind of old morality, or even logic uh, of, of history, we have learned in history, wouldn't get passed on to them. Don't talk to them. Don't talk to anybody over 30. Then it came down even younger. 
That was the slogan. And so the youngsters of that, that generation really thought, really thought somehow they were building the world. They weren't even in their 20s yet, some of them, but they thought they were building the world. And they thought the music was all theirs. Didn't dawn them that the music machine, this massive business, this massive culture industry, is an essential part of control, and it was already controlled. And they, they, it did. It came out if they pushed anything from the culture industry, it was in their own interests and for societal change, not for the youngsters' change. Never has been. And here we are today. That eh? was awfully successful from the sixties to the present. And the agenda of literature that you found in 1984, where they would have women's groups too, with their, with the red sash on and so on, the, the perpetual sort of kind of virgins and so on, this army of women, is almost be complete too. They're doing the same thing. Too. It's still going on. hasn't stopped. That was the agenda. Separate men from women. And every group always must think, all the followers must think they're in control of what they're doing. Because it's a war that's going on, and, and they aren't planning it. But the leaders of them are well-picked by the ones who really run the world. They know what the big agenda is in, in reality. The followers always think they do, but they're useful idiots. And when you, you subdivide and subdivide all categories of humanity, they can't come together as one, you see. When it really will count, they, they won't be able to do it. And then you, you really do indoctrinate them that nothing is normal. That's where it's all supposed to go. Nothing's normal. There's no such thing as normal, like Pike said. Eh? There's no such thing as cultural, real, real permanent culture, no permanent truth. He actually said that's no permanent truth. And that's now taught today, all through universities, by fake philosophers. Isn't it? A situation ethics. Now, if nothing's normal, then you can, if you're the masters of the universe, basically, you can reshape the world and everything in it the way you want it to be done. And the material will then be convinced before you even start. You must train them to be convinced that nothing's normal, and then they'll allow themselves to be shaped into whatever the masters want. Think about it. You are as sovereign as anything on the planet, if you want to be. And no one has a right to do anything to you or alter you or use you like some kind of putty or plasticine or clay for their own ends. And that's what's happening right now. Very old plan by those who already own most of the planet. And Quigley said that this big world organization for global government, basically, and it was government, and his government was often mistaken for communism. And by that he was referring to even the McCarthy era, the reds under the bed stuff and so on. And, be, and a lot of them were communists too. And he said that in our group, our organization, we have everyone, dictators, communists, fascists, capitalists, all of them. They don't mind who they work with. And they bring them all in. And sure enough, the, books are, the book I read last week, some bits of it, that whole book was their international meeting that year from 1937, published in 1938, with all the top politicians from all countries and civil servants and capitalists and financiers and so on all attending it. 
And even then they wanted to keep themselves pretty well hidden from the public, as if, with a name even. But they did publish on the, the, the groups that attended it, the Royal Institute for International Affairs for Britain, Australia, New Zealand, and various other countries. They had members from India and and now, of course, with the British Council. That's part of their organisation. They also have probably close to 100 countries or more involved with them. And, of course, they have uh, their own European Union department now as well for the politicians running the whole of Europe. They run that as well, this private organisation, the European Council on Foreign Relations. But you're given the ones to vote for. Like you see, always voting for dummies. What it's a lot cheaper. Dress them up, put them in front of the TV cameras. Do you want this one, that one, or that one? And play a little tape off them saying, "I'm for this and I'm for that." And you don't have to pay them wages or anything. They're dummies, right? And vote them in because they don't run the countries. They don't. Do you think those people and families who've ruled the world for centuries? are going to just hand it over to someone's radical ideas who thinks they're a prime minister or a president or something. Do you really think that would happen? Are you kidding? Margaret Thatcher belonged to it. And when she left Parliament, she mentioned it. She says, I belong to a group of people who are technocrats. Just talking about the Council of Foreign Relations and Royal Institute for International Affairs and so on. And she's also talking, of course, about their, their, their other organization, the trilateral organization. They pick members for that, too. And she says, we all meet all ex-prime ministers, presidents, ex-bureaucrats, civil servants, and bankers. We meet um, and we get things done. We don't have to go to the public for approval. We can get things done without uh, the input or condemnation of the public because it's never published. How many, how many exposés do you need? How many admissions do you need from those involved to start to get the picture? Or do you straight back in? You fall right back into the emotional. Uh, he said, she said stuff in politics the next day. Because hmm? it's all drama, isn't it? We've never seen so much drama today. It's like a soap opera. If you notice, you're not getting much of what governments are really up to, the policies and so on. Because they're training you into a new system altogether where you're not really involved at all. Before you weren't involved, but at least you had an idea what, the, what was going on to an extent in some areas. Not in, maybe 40, 50% of the stuff you'd never know. But in some areas they had to tell you something. Today they don't. They give them soap operas instead. In all countries. All countries. And government has really withdrawn from the areas of government which used to hand out little bits of, of information to the public because that was the policies that people were used to getting policies at least discussed uh, in some areas, but not, not anymore. They don't tell you anything. They just pass bills and so on. They pass bills, and that's, what, that's the first you hear them often. You're under a new form, you see, it's, it's changed. This is the century of change, transition. That's what they call it. And it's not your place to know. They're, actually, they're becoming very arrogant again. The bureaucrats are rather obvious. It's not your place to know anything. 
winners and losers. You're one of the losers, so you'd be one of them. And then they might tell you something, but if you're not one of them, well, you're you're a loser. You're 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 the the public, the people down there, the public. But you're given all these dramas. And if you notice, with all the protests that are going on right now in different countries, and the U.S. is a big one, of course, first with the it started with the Me Too's, and it's gone on from there. But think about it. What you're seeing is the perfect, perfect classic demonstration of the Saul Alinsky program and the rules for radicals and how you, you, you don't debate anything calmly. You just do your chanting. When someone's trying to speak, you keep chanting over it, over and over and over, you see. Drown them out. It's all from rules for radicals. The techniques are being used right now to stop folk getting in or out of power or whatever it happens to be. It's rather interesting to watch it, such a, a clear-cut demonstration of it all. You think about it too. If, if government really has, or really is the way it's supposed to be, and how it's organized and so on, don't you think if there was the slightest chance that any group is trying to overthrow the system, it wouldn't be dealt with immediately. Don't you think so? Isn't that what's supposed to happen? The first law for them, first rule, is to protect and maintain itself. That's the government. That's what they do. Because the government is, is really a combination of those who really, really own the country and really rule it. And yet you're watching this thing go on and on and on and on and on. So obviously not, nothing's really hurt. No one's really hurting here. Or it would be stopped. So what we're getting is, is this soap or is it drama? What is it? The biggest news we got, really, was the speech at United Nations by Trump. Little bits and pieces, you know. And of course, he's going to stand by for more wars in the Middle East. That's obvious. So Netanyahu was there too with his his drawings and his and his his, his supposed um, evidence, etc., which we'll never get to see. You know, it's like Groundhog Day, isn't it? All over and over and over. But don't be surprised because the agenda was published in the nineties. The list of countries that must be taken out for the ones who really own the country, right? And. It was uh, the general clerk mentioned it too on democracy. Today was it, or or now was one of the two. But he mentioned the list and how he how it was presented to him at the time, and uh, it was a shock to him. He didn't know either. And the project for New American Century Group, the neocons, had published twice in the nineties. Uh, and it still goes on because agendas are set in stone, basically. They, they don't change and give up. They might alter here and there a little bit, but they, they get what they want. They always get what they want, eventually. We see Syria just announcing that it's stable enough now to try to bring refugees, Syrian refugees, back to the country to help rebuild it and so on. And now they're wanting to take Syria and Iran again. Iran was on the list too. And a few other countries around that area, as you know. 
And since since the nineties, and then two thousand and one, added to it with with the, the, the bombing of Iraq and so on, and then the two out Libya as well. After that too, the mass of migration in Europe has changed it forever, and it's still happening. Europe's changed forever. It's not Europe anymore; it's a different entity, really, isn't it? In transition, in countries that that don't manufacture things so much anymore, it's mainly uh, service industry. That already is overloaded with uh, welfare because people have enough. There's not enough work for people. Healthcare and all the rest of it, and and yet the populations have been told that they're going to pay more and more and more to bring in more and more refugees from all these wars. And now, and now here's another bunch of wars for the rest of the list to continue. Can you get it through your heads that people behind all these wars don't represent the people? They pretend to represent as leaders because of a vastly different agenda than the public they pretend to serve. I don't care what side it is either. Quickly said it, they're all members of the same organization at the top. They simply take the left-hand path or the right-hand path, but they always end up in the same road down the road, as far as the agenda goes. It's so bad now in Europe, and Britain's bad too, that uh, with the budget cuts even to the so-called services and police services and so on, and uh, the laying off of, of different police that um, they're not bringing in private police forces across the country because crime is just out of sight now. So they claim, anyway. But again, most of the crime they got now has they brought it in the country for many, many, many years now. And there's areas where literally there's just no work left. Of old manufacturing areas have all gone, basically. People are still there, but what do they do, eh? You can't make everybody uh, uh, um, work in, in computers, and even they're getting less and less and less too, as computers themselves today uh, are doing the work of programmers. They can design programs and so on, a lot of them. So they've got that. They've got, as I say, Syria, foreign minister tells the UN country is ready for your refugee return. And then they got the US pulls diplomats from Iraqi city, uh, citing threats from Iran. They'll never be happy. You know, they had, um, and, and for years ago, they had the transition teams being trained for all the countries they've overthrown, trained in London, generally. So they were going to these countries. They've got the ones that will take them over, and uh, they've got their personas made up for them, and uh, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is what, this is democracy. Training, training people to go into countries, people who are generally from those countries, who are going to be, going to be made the future leaders, and, and you just, just get rid of the old ones, eh? And that's something. Quite something. So anyway, they're, they're pulling the diplomats from Iraq, an Iraqi city, Basra. And they're increasing U.S. economic sanctions and all this kind of stuff too. And it's also supposedly to really to put a bulwark against the 
uh, uh, Iran, because they definitely want to take out Iran, and Israel is really furious. You can see Netanyahu's been trying, he's been getting fed up for years now with America dragging its heels on getting it all done. And as I say, you ought to see the speeches of the United Nations. That's, it's just like Groundhog Day. Also, too, it's awfully handy, all this war industry and so on, because it's a massive industry, isn't it? Philip May, who's the husband of Prime Minister May, is yet another example of the cosy relationship between government and the arms industry. And so from global research, and global research is a more of a Marxist organization, but good articles, although some of them that take from another organization now that really is pushing very left-wing, which is not left-wing at all, but they're into kind of euthanasia, this other organization. But here's a good article anyway, regardless, as far as the facts in it go. You've got to really, really sift through everything today and... Uh, Everybody's got an angle They've all got an angle And a different agenda Don't they Anyway This is the husband of uh, The Prime Minister of Britain And it says Selected evidence of the revolving door Between Whitehall appointments Their family and friends And the defence industry And her archives In chronological order And they go through the different people In the defence industry uh, The ones that they know of Who are getting big, big bucks now From it's the same in the US, though, isn't it? Anyway, Admiral Sir John Slater, former First Sea Lord, left the military in 1998, became a director and senior advisor to Lockheed Martin, UK branch. Michael Portolo, Secretary of State from Defence from 1995 to 1997, became son, became, <laughs> became non-executive director of BAE System in 2002 before stepping down in 2006. Lord Reed, Secretary of State for Defence from 2005 to 2006, said in 2008 he'd become group, group consultant to G44S, the security company that worked closely with the Ministry of Defence in Iraq. And private military, it's a mercenary organisation really. Air Chief Marshal Sir Glenn Torpy, Chief of Staff from 2006 to 2009, retired from the RAF last year, would become Senior Military Advisor to BAE Systems in January. And he goes through a whole bunch of them. I won't read them all, but I'll put them up. All these links I'll put up for you to read for if, you, if you care at all. And um, there's so many of them, actually. It would take, it would take probably an hour to read them all. But that's what's about revolving door uh, for the defence industry. And you pay for it, of course. Uh, and people pay an awful lot of money for defence because you're kept in fear all the time and they, they simply soak you with taxes to supposedly keep you safe. In the US, Clinton, Hillary Clinton, she tops a list of the arms company donations. And this is from 2015. She has a close relationship with the world's top arms companies. And uh, it says here, um, against it from Global Research, 2015. It says, uh, Hillary Clinton received more money from arms military service companies than any other candidate during the 2016 presidential campaign. Data from Open Secrets shows. All but one of the world's 10 biggest arms producers have contributed to Clinton's previous campaigns, giving her, along with top Republican receiver Ted Cruz, a significant margin over the other candidates. 
and it says here that uh, the numbers collected by the Federal Election Commission, compiled by Open Secrets, also reveal that Rand Paul and Bernie Sanders make the f- list of top 20 senators and top six presidential candidates to receive money from arms and defense companies. Most of the funding is channeled through political action committees, which have no limits to how much they donate. About 18% comes from the individual contributions, totaling about $10 million between all of the companies. The biggest donors, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grunman and Boeing, devote about a third of their funds to democracy or Democrat candidates. In the last presidential elections, Barack Obama won more funding than his contender John McCain, though McCain is a top-earning senator this year. A report released Sunday by the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute shows that while U.S. arms sales have slowed, U.S.-based Lockheed Martin's profits soared in 2014. Overall, sales rose steadily until the financial crisis of 2008, when they mostly stabilized. And it goes on and on and on, but it's, uh, it's not a bad article, actually. Another one, too. There's actually two on the husband. And it says, Theresa May's husband, uh, cap- or, or the Capital Group, his, he owns the, the group called Capital Group, his largest shareholder in BAE. Uh, they had their shares soar since the Syrian airstrikes from 2018. And that's just how it is, isn't it? And you all think that you're in charge of something because you, you get to vote for A, B, C, or D. Amazing, isn't it? Or is it? Is it? Is it amazing or not? People go right back to where they've been when something collides with their training or indoctrination. And they're right back to square one the following day. It's like it's out their mind. It's just tossed out. As I say, even when you get admissions from those who are doing it, 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 they tend to forget that. It's not, And they have studies and studies and studies upon how people think and what leads them to do that. They know this, what makes them to do it. What leads them to do it. Because... It's what they can handle, what they, they can't handle. We, we have this nice, safe kind of myth or mythic, myth-making machine inside of us, actually. It, it keeps us kind of secure. We'd crack up, wouldn't we? We'd really crack up. Or you'd run off for your, for your, your pills from, from the pharmacy. Or, or else you would you'd get what Canada's given them, like dope to the world. Dope ink, basically, for the planet. Interesting article to up tonight. Common antidepressants could fuel the rise of superbugs, study finds. So widely prescribed antidepressant could be causing antibiotic resistance and contributing to the creation of superbugs, Queensland researchers say. And it says resistance occurs when microorganisms such as bacteria, fungi, viruses and parasites change when exposed to some drugs such as antibiotics and antifungals, according to the World Health Organization. Mind you, too, you get more and more uh, fungi diseases in, too, because of the, what they're spraying on the crops now. 
You spray one thing and something else is going to flourish. That's what happens. Everything keeps everything else in check otherwise, you see. And you interfere with it and something gets out of control. Then then they spray that with something else for that and something else gets out of control. And that's what happens. So I mentioned too how government works with your money. You, You know darn well that all big banks are kind of private. And yet you've got a strange public-private deal with some of, the, some of the big banks. Like Royal Bank of Scotland. There really isn't a Scottish at all, I guess, was it? But Royal Bank of Scotland's chairman has admitted it's unlikely the government will get back all the £45 billion pounds pumped into the bank. Now, government, the government pumped taxpayers' money into it, naturally, as taxpayers. So the government won't, the people won't get it back. Forget the government. 45.5 billion pounds to try to bail it out to an extent. And don't forget that I think the British government owned about 80 odd percent of the shares. The London government, or the London, let's say the city of London, because that's what runs the world, isn't it? Uh, They owned about 80% of that bank. Anyway. Uh, so there you go. This, I guess it's gone to money heaven, just like the last crash we had. Eh? Where did it go during that little inquiry they had? Oh, it's money heaven, we're told, with quite the dose of arrogance, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Also, marijuana for Canada, right? Growing marijuana 101, how your pot is being produced ahead of legislation. They're ready to pass it. They're the big, big deal. They've been making it for a long, long time, as I say. But now it's time to get to it all legit, etc. And you're supposed to be all happy about it. You see people smoking, blowing this smoke out. And it's okay to smoke this stuff now. Although the same governments have been bashing everybody else for smoking cigarettes for years and years. But it's okay to smoke, smoke this. There you go. Not bad, eh? <laughs> and you want common sense, eh? You want common sense and logic, yeah? Everybody's been had here, eh? Everybody. And this is about uh, canopy growth in Smith Falls, Ontario. It's a half, it's a five hundred thousand square foot facility. There used to be a Hershey's chocolate factory. Now it houses hundreds of millions of dollars worth of cannabis products. There you go. So there you go. And then it says the PC government will are going to table bill on pot legislation. There you go. The bill will appoint uh, the Alcohol and Gaming Commission of Ontario. So it's like the mafia, isn't it? The alcohol, it sounds like it. The Alcohol and Gaming, that's your, that's your gambling commission. So they'll be, they'll be run, dealing your drugs now too, running all that. Eh? As a regulator for the marketplace, the province adding, it will not put a cap on pot shops when it begins its licensing process. And it's all done with a happy, happy, smiley face type of kind of article, isn't it? Time for SOMA, eh? Time for SOMA. And the same governments are trying to pull back medications for folk in severe pain who don't want to be stoned all day. That's quite amazing, isn't it? But it isn't amazing at all. It's only amazing if you really believe that government is what you've been trained to think it is, actually. You're going to start thinking for yourselves, for those who want to. Remember, not everybody wants to. 
Not everybody can handle truth. Because truth is rather scary. When you've had a really intense indoctrination into one reality, the fake reality. But it's rather scary to get the truth, to realize it, what it really is. I've got some articles on, on the myth makers, people who create the realities of modern time for us all to believe in. And they actually boast about to the common selves the myth makers. You know the sciences of behaviorism, psychology, and so on. The psychodynamics of growing up in the stages that you go through and how to use those stages for different ends and purposes. And the last people who will figure that out are the ones who are used. Happens all the time. All the time. Charles Galton Darwin, who wrote the next million years, said that slavery has existed in some form or another in all ages, all ages. And he didn't see any reason why it would be any different today and tomorrow. Don't forget, everything today is disguised, isn't it? Very, very well disguised indeed. You've given your, your same indoctrination across the planet as at an early age, like Russell said, would have to be done. And your subsequent propaganda indoctrination is so scientifically designed. You've got to read some of this, the teachers, um, they call it toolkits for indoctrination. They don't call it indoctrination, but that's what it is. Of course it's indoctrination. Indoctrination is not a bad word as such. It means what it is. You're getting instilled with a doctrine, you see. But it's not your own doctrine, it's to serve someone else. It's really amazing how, how little people really know about life. And it's kind of like the lodge door, as you say. Think about it. The lodge door. In the mystique of Freemasonry, this this work this this kind of army that's scattered across the planet, everywhere, where those in the know can pick candidates to go up higher to help help manage the system over the people, right down to the local area, and even the ones at the bottom don't know they're being used for something else generally, because they get little perks and you know. It also ties in again with what Pike said. And what did he say? He said, what I mentioned before, we make no excuse for nature. If, if, If people want, if they get curious and knock on the door, remember, they use the Bible and so on, not because they believe in that, but they use it. Knocking the door will open, eh? Seeking you will find. It's the same thing, you see. And the ones who are curious, mind you, most of them are told to go there anyway, but the ones who are curious uh, show that very thing, that curiosity, whereas most of the people don't. That's what they mean by it. 
so the, the, the only thinking, well, yeah, I, I, I was curious. I had a superior nature. But there are many ways to find out about it without knocking on the door. Of course. The one thing they make sure that everybody does know in every area is that it can help you get ahead in life at any station that you're in. It might help you get the job or promotion, even at the bottom levels. It can bring business to your small store. They will help each other out. they got to. So it's a safeguard, isn't it? So they make sure people know this. They attract people in. But then, when you've really got the levels and the degrees and so on, you'd really find, at the very high degrees, that the world's run by a, a vastly different system. That's the whole point of it. Than that which you're, which everybody else is taught, all the so-called profane are taught. Sad, isn't it? The deceit in society and the world. Very sad. And to think that anybody who's on a fancy outfit is better than anybody else is the biggest deception of all. Because you'll find the same people and the same selection of peoples in these organizations as you'll find everywhere else. The con men, the rip-off merchants, etc., etc. And that's the sad part too, isn't it? That people love to strut around thinking they're better or different and, and so on. Rather sad. Really very, very sad indeed. But, as I say, buy the books and the discs at cuttingthroughmedius.com. Get yourself to start thinking and understanding it. For yourself, if you want to. That's all it is. Everything out there is a con today. Even the old movements that used to be out there to to really teach the people their basic rights and so on have all gone, been knocked down. Because even amongst them there was deception crept in, eh? Used for other purposes by other people. And that's the world we live in. That's what it's all about. Conology. Conning the public and using them all and preparing the next generation to be used for the next level of bricks on the wall. From myself, Alan Waterman, here at Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you.